0: Today's episode of the and I podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Kyle's Kitchen. Kyle just opened up a new restaurant in Isla Vista, which is open for business. So go in and check out Kyle's Kitchen in Isla Vista, as well as their locations in Goleta and Santa Barbara. Okay, this week we've got Ryan Bob, but before we get to Ryan, I want to open with a quick World Series breakdown. We are through five games. The Dodgers have a three game games to two lead over the rays and i've got david and spencer here for their impressions and to catch up on our picks and our mvp selections as well uh first things first it's been a really exciting series it's been a thrill to watch that game four was out of this world it was everything you could want in a baseball game and then last night for game five you had margot trying to steal home you had kershaw kind of maybe Chasing away some demons and getting the win to push the Dodgers to a game away from winning at all. Um, lots of great stuff that has happened in this series. It's been exciting, and we're looking forward to Game Six tonight. We're recording this on Monday night, but it will be tonight, and when you're listening on Tuesday. But Spencer, David, let's get some impressions on your thoughts on the series so far. It's been back and forth. Uh, let's start with David.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just it's been. Back and forth offensively, Uh, you've had the Dodgers erupt in game one with an eight run game against Tyler Glass now, um, who hasn't really been himself in this um, World Series. And then you've got Tampa Bay taking it back in game two with the sixth spot. Um, Game four was really the, the offensive one. We had, what, four lead changes from the sixth inning on. Uh, the unsung hero, um, Phillips, who hit below 200 during the regular season and comes up with a huge clutch base hit against Kenley Jansen. The Dodgers, who were first in everything throughout the year, making two catastrophic errors uh, to end up losing that game, um, even with the Rosarina tripping coming around third base. So uh, just been a crazy series so far. And hopefully uh, tomorrow they they wrap it up. For my prediction, uh, the Dodgers, but I wouldn't mind seeing a Game Seven the way it's been so far.
2: Yeah, um, just say that it's been back and forth. Literally, it's alternating games. Dodgers taking the first, then the Rays. Dodgers, Rays, Dodgers. It's it's been wild. Um, this is all you could really ask for in a uh, in a World Series matchup. Um, going back to uh, to that Game Four walk off. Um, Absolutely unbelievable. I didn't get the chance to watch it. I was listening in on my car and I something happened. The, the audio cut out as soon as Brett Phillips hit the ball. And then as soon as the audio cut back in, it was, what? the Rays have walked off. The Rays have walked off. And I could not believe it. I sped home faster than I would like to admit, but I got to see the highlights. It was unbelievable. Um, I think that the Rays, they really needed to come out in game five um, and, and, and kind of stomp over the dodgers if they really wanted to make a statement in the series Uh, world series uh, any playoff series really comes down to how well you're able to take advantage of um, the errors that the other team makes because at this point it's the best baseball you could possibly ask for um with the two best teams at the end of the year and errors are few and far between but um I mean, they did take advantage walking off on game four, but had they taken that advantage in game five, I think we would be talking a whole different story right now, um, hyping up the Rays to to finish off what should be a great underdog uh, World Series victory.
0: Yeah, the, the, the walk off in game four, I, what's the, the the Cobra when you got your hands on top of your head, like in disbelief, that, that was me sitting in my living room. Like I could not believe what I just yeah. saw sure-handed Taylor yeah. botching it. And then the cut off, the throw home and there's nobody there. And Smith is swiping the tag and the ball's going through the umpire's legs. It was just, Oh, it was pandemonium. It was awesome. So as a, well, the, nothing as was- a, as a, um, a fan who is not invested in either team except for in our little gambit that we got on this podcast, it was great to watch. So yeah, that was awesome.
2: I, I don't think anything was really better than uh, the Dave Roberts slow mo with oh, yes. him throwing it on the <laughs> ground, holding his, his head in his hand. That's just <laughs> it's that's torturous baseball right there, um, it, and that's exactly what the playoffs are all about. So that was a, a good slow mo, but also a very honest and thorough reaction.
1: It's My like, favorite awesome. part was the Phillips interview. Um, him trying to like bring himself back into reality. Like I said, he wasn't a star player, he got traded mid-season, I think from the Royals to the Rays, like kind of under the table uh, and just gets an opportunity to come up in the World Series and and sort of does, you know, the thing you dream about since you were a little kid. So uh, his interview was kind of the cool part for me.
2: He had to see his trainer before he got the interview taken because he literally couldn't breathe. There was so much (laughs) going on, him running circles around the outfield literally Airplaning.
1: took air planning around the
2: yes. outfield yes air planning around he had to sit in the dugout the trainer had to check in on him to make sure that he could that he could he was all right and um, you can see it in there if you like watch the tape back guys are trying to celebrate with him and he's pushing him away saying I can't breathe I can't breathe so uh, the most pure emotion uh, from Brad Phillips just complete disbelief but thorough enjoyment
0: special moment it was really cool yeah. So a couple other notes on the series. 9 different Dodgers have homered, 9. And they have I think they have 11 or they have 10 or 11 homers total and then Tampa Bay has 8 home runs but 7 have come from 3 different guys. Lau has 3, Orozarena and Caremiere each have 2. So that's a you know the homer still playing a factor in the series. Also Clayton Kershaw with 2 wins He's been lights out 11 to two thirds, 14 strikeouts, a 2.31 ERA, making his case for World Series MVP, which would be a huge way to top off his career uh, if that comes to fruition. Uh, My MVP pick, Justin Turner, is having himself a great series, hitting 364. He's got four doubles, a couple homers, two RBIs. And he uh, his OPS, 1.209, and he also made a sweet play at third base in one of the opening games. So uh, I was a little worried when, in game one, Mookie Betts comes out, steals two bases, and look to be off and running for a World Series MVP because that's Tilly's pick. But uh, Justin Turner, pretty strong case, uh, along with Corey Seager, who none of us picked. Spencer? How's your pick doing, Rosarena. He almost tripped and fell on his uh. Well, on, he on, well, he did trip and fall on his shoes, but uh, fortunately for him, he was able to score.
2: Well, Oroszarena is having an incredible postseason. Um, it's kind of the story for him. He was um, he he battled the coronavirus at the start of the year. Um, he was uh, DFA'd for the Durham Bulls, um, and then he was picked back up. Halfway through the season, literally with 27 games left. Um, he had a pretty decent regular season. He had eight home runs in those 27 games. And then in this postseason, in 18 games, he's hit nine home runs. So he sets the MLB record for the most home runs in a postseason. He earlier in the series, he uh he took the most. Uh, hits in a postseason by a rookie, beating Derek Jeter with 22. And now, after um, game five, he sets the record for the most postseason hits um, with, I believe it was 27. 27 is his total. Um, And also, he currently has 58 total bases this postseason. And that is eight more than the previous record holder David Freeze, with 50 in 2011. So, to say that his uh, his postseason is incredible, I think is an understatement. It's record setting. Um, he was my pick for MVP. If uh, if he can string together a couple more clutch at bats, put a ball out of the yard maybe once or twice more, um, I think he's a shoe in for the MVP. But that's uh, that's got to be two wins away for the Rays now um but that's my guy he's playing well he's fun to watch and he's been doing good for the race
1: well there, there is a chance that he gets the world series mvp uh as a part of the losing team it's been done once before in the 1960s i think there was one player that did it uh but I think the Dodgers are going to get it done in two. Uh, Mookie Betts isn't looking great. Um, Kev, like you said, Turner is sort of up there with Seager for the favorite. Mookie's done some damage on the bases, but I think he's only right now five for 22. Um, Only with two extra base hits. So Uh, the MVP pick for me, not looking so hot. There are two games left. Uh, I'd rather them get it done in one. And if Mookie maybe goes, you know, four for four and has a crazy game, Uh, he might be able to slide into that MVP spot. But uh, I think, like I said, I think the Dodgers are set up to get it done uh, tomorrow night or tonight, I guess, if you're listening to the podcast on Tuesday. And uh, I probably won't win the MVP, but hopefully I'll get those other two picks right.
0: Yeah. So the reminder that the picks stand until he has nine, he's got a one point lead over me and Spencer, each with eight. And all, all of our picks are still in play because, Tilly had Dodgers in six. I had Dodgers in seven. And Spencer had Rays in seven. So those points are still on the table. The MVP points are still on the table. And uh, I'm hoping that there's two more games. I mean, everyone wants two more baseball games. Maybe not some Dodger fans, but uh, it's been thrilling television. And we can't wait to, to see what happens. So we can talk about it next week on the final installment of the MLB report for 2020. So... Hopefully that is, uh, we're talking about Mr. Cannon, crowning himself champion of the postseason picks, but um, only time will tell. So uh, that'll wrap it up for this. We got Ryan, Bob up next and uh, David and Spencer. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the field.
2: Thank you. Yeah, Cap. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America. The Pacific ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon and night.
0: There's the one strike pitch and Mitchell belts it to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. And Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? There's the 0-2 pitch and a curveball is swung on him in. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions. All right, today on the Gaucho Nine podcast, we have a student manager, former student manager, born and raised in Escondido, California. Before he was a manager, he was on the rowing team at UC Santa Barbara. was a manager between 2016 and 2018, and he is currently a analytics video Analyst, coordinator, all of the above for the San Francisco Giants down at Instructs in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, really a personal favorite of mine. I'm just going to get that out there at, at the start of this. Uh, so please welcome to the Gosh and I Pod, Ryan Bob. Bob, what's up? How's it going, Kev? Oh, man, I'm great. You have a blanket on, and you are in Scottsdale. Meanwhile, I am roasting in my apartment because it's 90 degrees here in santa barbara but you got air conditioning i don't
3: have air conditioning
0: you are you taking advantage of hotel air conditioning
1: yeah
3: 100 percent, absolutely i uh i was in 100 degree heat earlier during a game for three hours so i am maximizing all the ac right now and now bundling up with a blanket
0: so it's it's uh, middle October and it's still 100 degrees in Arizona.
2: Is yeah,
3: that, yeah. During, is that during normal? the game I was going. Go ahead. Is that normal? I don't know. I was before I came out. I was looking at the historical weather and I think it was like average of 85 in October. So I was really looking forward to that. But it's been 90 to 105 every day, and we had a good stretch of like 103 to 105 for like four or five days.
0: Yeah. So essentially it's still summer in Arizona. That's, that's exciting. Well, so you're at instructs. you're working with the Giants currently, and we were going over what your day was like today. And you've been down there since the end of September. So you're a couple weeks into it, but you guys are, it's all minor league guys. You're playing games. Um, you're, are full regalia as far as the analytics stuff that you do. We'll get into that, but just quickly break down like your day-to-day current situation with um with games and instructs
1: okay
3: so for the first week or so week to week and a half we were doing just like building up bullpens live bps um basically from like 8 a.m till 2 p.m or so um just to get the guys loose um we would have like technology out for the guys and stuff during bullpens, but we didn't want them like focusing on it. We just wanted them like to pitch again, pitch on a mound because some guys didn't have access to that during quarantine, whereas others had been like pitching the entire time. So we were just getting a feel for where guys were at, at that point. Um, and then we started games on October 6th or 7th. Um, So we've been playing games now for a week and a couple days. And first three or four days were just seven inning games, just because pitchers were only built up for one inning. Um, But now guys are built up for even up to like four innings. We faced Corey Abbott with the Cubs yesterday, and I think he went four innings. Um, So we were playing games either at 10.30 in the morning or 1 p.m. Um, And they're at some of the, some of the locations have us playing at the backfields. Like we're on our backfields, um, Arizona and the Rockies are on backfields, but the Brewers Cubs and A's are all in their minor league stadiums, which is nice because there's shade and all that. Um, and then the angels actually have like coat they're shut down right now due to COVID. So we haven't played them yet.
0: So there's, you know, there's, there's protocols in place, obviously. So angels have, have guys that have tested positive and they're, they're not playing for X amount of time so that, you know, that this is, you know, this is all something that we're all going through and hopefully the Gouchers are starting soon. We'll have some news for the listeners on that front. But I mean, how many, how many guys do you have? What kind of, what kind of staff, do you, do you have down there and and what sort of protocols do you have to go through on a day to day?
3: Yep. So I'll start with the protocols. Um, so when we first came down here, we all had to get tested, um, do the nasal swab. And then we also did the, um, what's it called? Like a finger prick test. Um, we did that and then we had to quarantine right after that for two to three days until we got our resort all results back um so we were just in the hotel rooms for like three days hanging out watching netflix all that um and then once it everyone came back clear we didn't have any issues um then we were able to go to the facility and start working out and stuff but we have to fill out a questionnaire on our phones like an app um coach me plus um we fill out it asks the usual like fever in the morning any symptoms, onset symptoms in the last 24 hours, any contact with any known positive COVID people, Um, have you been practicing social distancing, what activities are you gonna be performing at the facility today? So you answer that questionnaire before you get to the facility, and then we get to the facility in the morning before we can even step inside or get breakfast or anything um temperature check once you're good with that hand sanitizer and then you can go about your day um every monday and thursday we do a nasal swab though so we're getting tested twice a week um so yeah damn what was the that, second part of your question because i remember pretty,
0: that's pretty significant i mean that's that sounds familiar like all the stories that i've told I me, mean, it's pretty pretty cut. It's starting to be cut and dry across the board is what it sounds like. And that's good because it's it's nice to be consistent, you know, in, in football, baseball, basketball, volleyball, whatever it is, it's nice to be consistent. Uh, the, the staff size, like, and, and how many players you guys have down there? Because you, you were saying that you there were two games today, there was one team that was on the road, one team that played at home. So like, how many coaches, how many support staff do you guys have and how many players?
3: Yeah, we have the biggest, I guess the largest amount of players at least in Arizona, I don't know about um, Florida, but we have two teams. I believe we're the only team out here that has two teams. So we have, it's either 66, somewhere between 66 and 70 players. And then we have around 40 staff. Um, Each team, we have two different teams. Each team has about 30 to 35 guys, and then has a manager, a pitching coach, a hitting coach, a fundamentals coach and then a trainer and a strength coach. Um, We have a good bit of like strength and conditioning and and athletic training guys. I would say we have 10 to 15 of them. Wow. Uh, We have three um, nutritionist type people. And then we have like most, if not all of our coordinators down here. So we have a rehab pitching coach and then three pitching coordinators and then hitting side similar. Um, and then director of player development, assistant director of player development four video slash analytics people. Um, so where yeah, do you, it's where a stat-
0: do you fall, where do you fall into this mix
3: analytics? Yeah, we're, our, we're called associate analysts, but like for this, we're doing a lot of video. Um, because somebody has to do it. So, um, yeah,
0: well, it's taken over and the gauchos are at the forefront of analytics at the college level and you got a taste of it when you were here, but it's, it's definitely expanded a lot just in the two years, two, three years since you left the program because Trackman, man, rap Soto, we're using pitch logic, we're using modus sleeve, like all that type of stuff. But you, you were you were talking about Edgetronic. You were talking about bats. you were you're doing Trackman as well. You're doing five view camera setup. Uh, you started using Synergy. Like there's lots of stuff going on that you have responsibility for. So you told me that today your game ended at about three o'clock, and mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't finish your post game wrap up. Granted, there was one anomaly that happened where you the computers didn't save. X amount of pitches, so you had to go back and manually input those, and that takes time.
3: Yeah, probably more
0: time than usual. So, <laughs> but like on a normal normal scenario, like how much wrap up and setup and, and cleanup do you have to do on a daily basis just to record a game?
3: Yeah, um, I it's like two to three hours, um, and that's like I would say two hours if it goes clean, and then maybe three to three and a half if it doesn't. Um, we have to check like if we, like today we had a team at the Rockies. Um, so we we share our CSV files, the TrackMan files. Um, so we'll have to go back and like make sure that the Rockies recorded each pitch type correctly because we don't want a curveball being marked a fastball. It's not that we don't trust them, but we kind of don't trust them. Like we have to make sure they're on their stuff um so yeah we'll get done with the game bring everything in charge all the external chargers charge cameras charge um, um rap sodas if they need to be charged make sure blast from the day was uploaded and charging um so all that has to be charged and then you can actually like process the video upload the video to the necessary places send video links to the staff and the higher ups Um. so yeah It's a good bit. It takes a while. And you have, like, the biggest thing for us is, like, everything has to be right. Like, if a guy, if we did an edgertronic video of a guy and it's marked Simon Whiteman, who's, like, a little Yale shortstop, second base, super fast guy, um, but it's actually Marco Luciano, arguably our top prospect, um, that's an issue. Because if Farhan's, like, clicking on it and expecting to see Simon Whiteman and it's Luciano, he's going to be like, what the heck? you got issues. That's one of the biggest things, just making sure everything's right.
0: How many uh, former college players have you encountered that you either faced or were on the gauchos? Because you do have uh, Armani Smith at Instructs right now. Uh, He was was in 2018. Was he a freshman in 2017?
3: 17 and 18, so I was with him for two years.
0: Yeah, a couple years with you. So what's it like – being with Armani and then like how many other like college guys are out there at Instructs right now?
3: Yeah. Good question. So Armani is awesome. I mean, you know, Armani, of course, um, great dude, tons of pop, um, fun guy just to be around. I was lucky enough to have him up in Salem last year. Um, after he got drafted, he came up and we had him for, um, most of the year, like, yeah, 40 games or so it's a short season so um he's great good clubhouse guy fun to be around um and then besides him we have connor cannon with us from ucr who has arguably the highest exit velo in all of minor league baseball like we will regularly hit balls like 117 118 like stanton and judge do um so we have him who else do we have from like the Big West? We don't have any Fordson guys, which kind of surprises me just because I feel like they're everywhere, but we don't have any of them. Um, it's it's a new age. It's a new age, Bob. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> Gauchos Absolutely. are taken over. Um, we have a guy named Rob Emery who went to University of San Francisco and apparently is good friends with Kyle Nelson, former gaucho. Um He randomly came up to me. He was an undrafted free agent this past season, fifth-year senior guy. Um, He came up to me after one of the games, and he's like, Gaucho? Because I still have, like, a Santa Barbara backpack. This one. Yeah, boy. Yep. (laughs) So he came up to me and was like, are you Gaucho? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I was there. I was a student manager there. Um, And he's like, do you know Kyle Nelson? I'm like, of course I know Kyle Nelson. So we started talking about Nelly's outing and his major league debut and, um, just how awesome Nelly is, you know, Cal Nelson's just a freaking great dude. So, um, that was cool. Trying to think who, what other West coast, I mean, we have Hunter Bishop who I I didn't face, but you guys might've faced. Well, he's Um,
0: from Arizona state. Yep. Yeah. Yep. NorCal guy. But we, we know college baseball knows of Hunter Bishop
3: yep yep um we have a lot of Louisville guys. nobody from the World Series year, nobody really? from sixteen, but we have like Tyler Fitzgerald, Logan Wyatt. um I had both of them in Salem last year, and they were the recruiting class after after we beat them. so they still have, they they know well about it. I'll put it that way. They know Good. about it.
0: Louisville still remembers
3: that they do we'll we'll, we'll
0: get we'll get to that that's the that's the juicy stuff we'll we'll get to that
3: (laughs) it's hard not to talk about man
0: well so so you've been with the giants for a couple years now so was it summer of 19 or spring of Uh, spring of 19
3: spring of 19. i left san jose state um March 30th of 19. And then I started with the Giants April 15th.
0: Okay. Yeah, so we'll, we're backtracking a little bit. Yep. So after, yeah, so you've been with the Giants for a couple of years and
3: year and a half or so. Yeah.
0: And it, it sounds like you're getting the, the minor league baseball experience because on, on the pod, we've had various young alumni who have been in the minor leagues. And distinctly, I remember T-Row, and Tevin Mitchell talking about when they first went cross country to Florida for their first minor league experience, and they're holed up in a hotel, and they don't know anybody. But fortunately, they were drafted together and became roommates. But living out of the hotel and going and playing baseball—like that's essentially what your life has been. Was it at least in when you're in Arizona? Is it like that in at, in Salem for short A? Was it like, so you're not like homestaying anything like that? It's just, all right, here's a real bit of hotel.
3: (laughs) No, that's, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about short season was like the full-time affiliates, they recommend you get an apartment or they set you up with an apartment. Like I was supposed to be in San Jose and they were setting me up with an apartment there. But in Salem, it's like a 70-ish game season. Um, So we got there and we have like four nights in a minor league hotel, you know, gets the job done, but not amazing. And then after the four nights, you're kind of supposed to figure it out on your own. You have a housing stipend, which is nice. Um, but still you're like, you got to figure it out. So me and our hitting coach, actually, we ended up rooming together in a hotel the entire season. We were just like, there's no point in getting an apartment for whatever, two and a half months. Um, and it like no offense to Salem, but there's not like amazing apartments in Salem. So, um, we we decided just to shack up in a Holiday Inn Express, and um, I got two and a half months worth of hotel points. So I have yeah, oh, I mean, there's, lot there's of benefits IHG. to that. Right?
0: You, yep, yep. Probably, you probably didn't have the hotel breakfast every day, but you know it's there if you need it. And Most then, days, and you don't have to worry about. You know moving your furniture around or staying the duration of a lease like it just makes it just makes more sense in your situation uh yeah so you go to the giants in 2019 but you were you were at san jose state coincidentally with a former assistant for the gauchos eddie corneo you were their director of operations during the 2019 season and it was cool when i heard that you guys like reunited up in up in san jose what was the experience at at san jose state like because it was uh it sounded like a difficult transition at times
3: yeah it's it was i mean graduating in the summer of 18 was t- i mean it's tough for like every new grad you just don't really know what to do and i'm trying to get in this baseball world that i don't i'm not a person in it yet like I'm just another student manager intern that's kind of trying to look for a job. So um, I was like applying for a lot of ops jobs all over the country. Like I even applied for like UNC Wilmington, I remember applying for, like emailing their head coach, that whole deal. Um, And I was lucky, Eddie was, I worked for Eddie, so I was an intern for him. Um, Obviously Eddie's a phenomenal dude, you know him. and he ended up getting an assistant job up at San Jose state for that season. And uh, they didn't have an ops guy. So he reached out to me cause he knew I didn't have a job and he's like, Hey, we want you to be the ops guy. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Sign <laughs> me up. Let's let's make it happen. Um, so I owe so much to Eddie. I don't even know where to start with that, but um, so go up there, start, start being the ops guy and I wasn't making much money as an ops guy. Um, and I'm in the Bay area, which is obviously insane to try and find decent living. Um, so Eddie and his wife, Melissa, were incredible and allowed me to um, start. I say start because it ended up being the entire time, but start living with them. Um, and they had uh, Dante and Issa. And Issa was like, who are their two kids? Issa's their daughter and Dante's their son. And um, Dante was like one, one and a half when I went up there. And Issa, I want to, Issa was like just crawling. So I don't have kids yet, so I don't totally know like the timeline, but it's like six to eight months-ish, I think.
0: Let's just say they were little.
3: Yeah, they, they were, were little. little. Yeah, they were little. So I remember yeah, the first that they had, they up. had
0: flair. They, they definitely had flair.
3: hundred percent. I mean, they're cornejos. So, <laughs> um, I remember the first day driving up there and, uh, Eddie calls me. He's like, Hey, what do you want from Chick-fil-A for dinner? I'm, you know, tell him the usual order. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> I get to the, I get to the house and Melissa and I, like, we knew each other at this point, but we weren't like super strong friends or anything. So I get to the house. Knock on the door. Melissa answers, and I walk in. <laughs> and, and Dante was getting potty trained at the time, so Dante's <laughs> just running around the house butt naked. <laughs> butt naked. It was like my first introduction to the house. <laughs> hey, oh man! So it was Uncle a warm Bob, welcome, Uncle Bob's to here. Uncle yeah. Bob. Here, Uncle. Put your pants oh. on a that day. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was a – I remember that night so much. Oh, my. That was funny. But, um, yeah, so I went up there, became the ops guy. And uh, it was cool because it was a pretty new staff. Um, Brad Sanfilippo, their head coach, um, he took over the year before, um, like pretty – like right before the season started, I believe. Um, and their pitching coach Tyler Latore, he was there already um, and then Eddie had just gotten the job. So it was like a fairly new staff. We all we were all um, kind of getting used to each other to start and ended up we all still keep in touch. Um, and yeah, it was a good experience. Being the ops guy is it's an interesting job. There's a well, lot to it.
0: I think I mean the biggest thing about that job, is is the travel and, and yeah. coordinating hotel and buses and plane flights and in the Mountain West? Yes, I mean it's not it's not like the Big West where everyone is pretty much within a three hour drive in Southern California, with the exception of Davis and Hawaii. But Mountain West, you you have to go to Colorado, you have to go to Nevada, you have to go to San Diego, you have to and San you know San Diego, San Jose, that's that's plane flight. Uh, you have to go to oh sir is, is there a Utah team in the Mountain West there might be i don't i don't think so but you also had yeah, new mexico yeah and new mexico and you also had some crazy non-conference games <laughs> schedule like you had a midweek pair of games in ann arbor michigan
3: yes yep <laughs> followed by a series at northwestern yep Yep, that was a treat, and we had a we had a cold delay. It was my first ever cold delay because they the, it wasn't warm enough for us to play baseball. So we we hung out in Chicago on the field. It was like 23 degrees, and it needed to get to like 24, something like that. Um, and we're just sitting there until it's the official temperature says 24, and then we start playing. Um And wow. we're all like Cali guys, just cold out of our mind um naturally we lost all five games so you know how that goes
0: but that that was essentially a week-long trip i mean you're not going to fly to ann arbor come back and then go back out to chicago right
3: no 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 we and that was fun that was a fun trip it was it was good for the team and um it was cool to be in chicago i mean who doesn't want to spend five days in chicago
0: no I'll, i'll i'll say this it's one of the coolest parts of college baseball and especially playing at a place like UCSB in particular, where coach check and the rest of the staff, like we want to go play at cool places. We want to go and get challenged somewhere. You know, that's a goal and scheduling because the coaches do all the scheduling. The ops guy helps out with the scheduling. Like the goal is to to go and test your team and sometimes like, Hey, let's, let's try and go play a team at a cool conference or a good conference or in a cool city. Like that totally goes into it. Like on top of everything else that totally goes into it. So
3: yeah, you guys went to Tulane a couple of years ago, right? Tulane. Great city.
0: Yeah. You are fully aware of Tulane. Your brother went there.
3: Yep. Yep. Still there. It's great. Up.
0: My sister is in new Orleans teaching second that's grade. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was cool going to Tulane and, you know, and, so since it reminded me of we did go to College of Charleston in 2016, um, uh, we'll get to that. But let's rewind it. Let's rewind the tape. And you came to UCSB your freshman year, 2014. You were on the rowing team. <laughs> rowing. <laughs> are we talking about like Ox Oxford versus Harvard?
3: Not quite at Rowing,
0: though. or are we talking about like uh well you guys practice up at lake casitas right
3: yeah but, well we started on the lagoon okay
0: but we uh, but like er, but it's still like early mornings yeah you yeah. know cold sweatpants all that like yep. just, just describe rowing really quickly because i'm i'm okay. curious <laughs>
3: uh yeah it's yeah it's a grind to say the least um so we learned how to like have the boat not capsize on a lagoon like you just learn like the basic fundamentals of like keeping the boat upright and having it be level enough to like kind of row on the lagoon you do that for a co- like a couple months two months maybe and then it's 4:30 a.m. up at uh Lake Kachuma yeah Kachuma not Casitas yeah Kachuma yeah. you said Casitas i was going to go along with it but then i remembered Kachuma um but yeah 4:30 I can't remember if it was every day or like three times a week, but I was a freshman in college, regularly staying up until 10 or 11 at night. And uh, 430 was just a little early after a while. That's that was pretty much it. So it it was it was too much for me. I'll be honest. I was a little too soft.
0: (laughs) So you concluded that you'd rather spend 10 hours a day at the baseball field.
3: I got there that's, eventually.
0: That's essentially what you wound up doing. Yeah. For yes. three pretty much 365 for 3 days for 3 years in a row.
3: <laughs> yeah. Long story short, that's where it ended up being. I ended I was a student. I was just a normal student for a quarter and a half. Okay. And I was going insane. I hated it. I needed to be around a team and people and stuff. So, should we get to the broken foot? Should we get there? Are we there yet? Well, I was going to I was going to segue Go
0: with ahead. did you break your foot on on the, uh, on the rowing team or trying to row or something, but that's probably not since you said that you had like a quarter and a half. But we'll, we'll let's set the, the stage here a little bit. Yeah. Dow 2015 coming off a regional host. They had a, a top three ERA in the country. They won 40 plus games. It was like one of the greatest seasons ever with a disappointing finish. And there were a lot of question marks coming in 2016 and I remember the first day when we sit down for a staff meeting and it, it was probably either Casey or, or Matt or Chex, but someone's like, Hey, we got a, we got a new student manager. He's going to join us, our first staff meeting. And Ryan Bob rolls in and he goes, Hey guys, my name's Ryan Bob and he's got a giant boot on his foot. <laughs> and he like, oh, like, this man. is a, like, this is a serious staff meeting with like everyone who, is like a a countable coach and like me and the ops guy like running the field stuff like and then here's bob first day of the job like all right guys i'm ready to go
3: <laughs> I'll never forget that I we've never talked about it like, <laughs> i've never i've never heard it from your perspective but I've, it's i'm curious now like what how that was for like matt and Eddie and neil and all them <laughs> like Yeah, I need to ask him. I have to ask him.
0: You were like, you were like in there with like your elbows on
3: your knees, like, all right. Oh, so wide eyed. Oh my, I had a, I think I had a notebook. I probably still have the notebook. I was so wide eyed, just ready to rock. Chris Valleco was there, ex big leaguer. Like it was, I was just blown away. But yeah, I rolled in. I uh, I broke my foot that summer, um, and I wanted to like get into baseball eventually, but I didn't know how to do that. So I ended up sending its an email, just being like, Hey, is there anything I can do for the team? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Why don't you, you like come in for a meeting? So, um, went in for like a, I don't know, 20, 30 minute meeting, just got to know me, asked me like what I wanted to do long-term who I was. Well, you know, just if I was a decent person, basically. Um, but I roll into that meeting with it's on a scooter, because I have a broken foot. (laughs) And he's like, so when's this going to be healed? Um, And I'm like, "Uh, it's like, I think right before the season starts, I think I'll be all right. Um, But I think I still, yeah, I showed up to the meeting with a boot still, like first day of work, still had a boot on my leg. I also showed up with, uh, I don't remember if you even, I don't know if you even remember this, but I showed up with like bright white shoes. Right, white shoes. I don't remember the shoes. Tur- we remember. We ended up turfacing that day. Oh
0: yes. Okay, I remember that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: We got we got dirty. This is what we did.
3: Exactly. We had we had basically red brick just all over our bodies, shoes, everything. I ended up just throwing the shoes out after that day. It's kind of my intro to baseball, but uh, yeah, wow. that meeting. Um, I don't remember a single thing from that meeting. I just remember being there and being like. like trying not to freak out the whole time. Just that was it basically. Well, the
0: dirty shoes, the brand new shoes and then just going out was like, all right, this is what I got to do. Like, I don't care if my shoes get dirty. Like if that was any indication as to how your gaucho career would play out, I mean, it was a pretty good one because I'm, I'm giving you a full podcast here. Full disclosure, I'm giving you a full podcast. <laughs> longest tenured manager other than myself. I know. Uh, but you see so you joined uh, you joined Ryan Jeans yeah. and I mean you guys were like the dynamic duo. I mean we we dug trenches together. We we sopped up standing water with sponges. We you know, you name it, we did it. And like we absolutely crushed it. But what were some of your memories of the 2016 experience because Obviously, it turned out it ended in the World Series. So we're talking like, I mean, big roller, big like difference between big big difference between day one, big difference between day one and and then the end of June of that season. I mean, I think it's it's the biggest like transition for for anybody that's been a part of this program other than maybe like Noah Davis, but like for you did you have when when did you realize like holy crap like what did i just step into
3: that's a good question that meeting honestly was kind of (laughs) like okay all right this is real we're doing this um that kind of like set the groundwork and then like we did a i think it was like a six hour meeting i mean you know how check its meetings can go at times um it was like a five or six hour meeting and then right after that we're working on the field putting dirt on the field which i'd never done before um so that for sure but um yeah it's 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 hard to even try and like put into words that entire year because obviously it was so massive for the program but i also like i jumped into it and it was we had a good year, but then we ended up going to Omaha and I was like, so this is college baseball. Okay. I can do this. I like this, but that's not college baseball all the time. That's the best part of college. That's why you do all of college baseball. And that's why you do the, the workouts in the fall and grinding out on individuals. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I, I do. I want to talk about like jeans, even like jeans was a, a awesome person to work with, like great teacher, he we still talk to this day. He's quirky, for sure. Admittedly, he would say that. But uh yeah, we dug trenches together in the pouring rain to try and keep the uh keep the cages from flooding. I did, think I skipped uh, class for that.
0: Did the clubhouse ever flood while you were uh while you were man? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, multiple times. <laughs> like every time it rains a significant amount, it floods. Yeah. And then we have to like try and, I remember being there with you and Harv and we're like pushing water out of the clubhouse with brooms as it's just pouring back in. But yeah, gotta try and fight it off. Um, Yeah, there are a couple moments during that year that like really I've thought about, I guess, long-term. I remember watching Bieber versus Cal Poly give up seven on a Friday night, but throw a complete game and like wear it for the bullpen. That was like a really cool moment. Um, There was a, I don't want to say a fight, but there was like a, a verbal altercation between Josh Adams and JJ Muno during like a voluntary workout. And I was like, these guys really care. This is cool. These guys like, they're getting it after each other. They're best friends, they're close to it. And they're getting after each other because they want the baseball stuff to be so good. Um, moments like that, like once we made it to Omaha, I was like, those are huge moments um, where like other teams didn't always have that kind of thing, like couldn't get in each other's face about everything and anything. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, even, even know if that answers your question. My brain's going like a million ways.
0: Well, we, we can go lots of different places, but let's go okay. to postseason just because like it was probably a whirlwind. I mean, it's it's a whirlwind for you because it's your first experience and the team was good and, but you, you recognize some things. And like, when you're in the flow of it, it's this, all right, this is like this next day, next day, next day, like, Train's moving. it's
3: Train's just, to get on it's.
0: And when you're having that kind of season, like you rarely look back at the previous day. So like you forget a lot of things, you miss a lot of things. Uh, but you interject really quickly. Of course. I,
3: the whole, okay. There's two other one moment for sure. The Irvine series was huge. That was massive. And I am sure you how, maybe how fun
0: how much fun was that series?
3: Unreal. On on TV, Austin Bush just resurrecting our postseason hopes. It was yes, like hard to put into words. It would have been the, the best moment of the year if we didn't, you know, right do Louisville and Nashville. And it was, it was
0: one of those games that was like, okay, that that's hard to repeat. It, so it was that was Sunday night. It was a rare Sunday night start because we were on on prime ticket uh, night game and, you know, fun scenari- fun setting down there at UCI to play night game in Gorgeous Field, obviously. Gouchers are down, what, 5-1 in the eighth? Yes. And, and push it to 5-2. Hang on, did he hit a slam in the eighth? to tie the game, or he hit a bases-clearing double off the center field fence to tie the game, and then in the ninth inning comes up with the bases loaded and hits a grand slam. gouges win 9-5. And you're in the- Was it a grand slam? It was a grand slam? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, or three-run home or something like that, but it was Bush, back-to-back innings with massive hits. Yes. And also in that series, there were a couple of safety squeezes, which prompted you know, that's that's who the gouges are. Gouges will hit it off the center field fence and we'll safety squeeze. Yes,
3: and we show it in the home home.
0: And we'll throw strikes with Beaver. But you're in the dugout for all those games. Like, what's the dugout experience like for you?
3: Yeah, I actually I just thought of a story from that. Um just to give like a little insight into manager world. Um so that game with the Bush game, um We, it was, it was a really quick game. It was really fast paced for whatever reason until the last innings. And in like the fifth or sixth inning I'm charting, I'm doing, I think base running chart for Eddie. Um, And it's like, we're losing five, one Sunday. Everyone's not that we're down. Like that was always a feisty fun team. But when you're losing on a Sunday night before you have to go drive home and you're probably not going to get home until 1.00 AM. And then you have to go to class the next day. Like, as a manager, at least I'm thinking about that stuff. Um, but we're in the we're in the dugout, and uh, it's like the fifth or sixth inning, and Casey Harms comes over to me, the director of ops at the time, and he's like, hey, this game's going really quickly. You need to call, I think it was Togo's, because we always got Togo's at Irvine. Can you call Togo's and move our order up? Tell them we're going to be early. Tell them we're going to be early, because we might be like an hour early. So I call them, you know, I go like in the bathroom in their like sketchy little bathroom and at the back of the dugout call Togo's. hey any chance you guys can move the order up. yeah yeah we'll try and take care of it, maybe like 30 minutes ahead, so I go back and tell Casey all right it's moved up and you know Casey is giving me some sarcastic thing. Um, But as the game keeps progression Bush does his thing we have a bunch of walks in there, I feel like just to like slow the game down and. I think the game ended up going probably like three and a half hours. It was it ended up being like a stupid long game because of what happened at the end. And uh, and like at the end of the game, Casey, as like all the coaches are doing their debrief with the players in the outfield after the game, Casey had me call Togo's and tell them that we're going to be late to like our original order. And they closed like 30 minutes before we got there and that whole deal. So. Yeah, that's just a little like manager insight. You're just always doing random stuff. Well, and random it's, a,
0: it's an insight into the ops job. Like the ops job is not easy. No, Cause, no, no. Because that that stuff happens where it's like, okay, it's it's a night game. Like you got to feed the players because we're driving home right after. Like you, you have to tell in case you skate, like you have to call and try and get on top of it and say, all right, we're gonna be we're gonna be early, so we got to make sure that the food's ready when we're there if we're early. And then you know it's baseball, so it goes late. And then but that's just the nature of the business. And yeah, yeah it's it's just <laughs> funny. It's yeah, you just it's, don't even.
3: Right. It's like from the outside world, i never different. thought about that stuff. So.
0: Right here, here's Bob in this critical like series clinching game with. Homer's and bases clearing doubles happening, and you're stuck in the bathroom calling Togos to make sure that sandwiches are ready. That's that's essentially what managerhood is. And also, you are sometimes running out to home plate to retrieve the bat <laughs> uh, when you're on in helmets and gloves when you're on bats and hats, and yep. that has put you in the spotlight a couple times. So, <laughs> Gauchos go to Nashville. And there's the Bush walk off Homer game against Washington, pandemonium, and then we don't play Vanderbilt. There's the rain delay where we don't play one day. We beat Xavier twice. We're staying at the hotel overlooking the football stadium. Like that was cool. Nashville was great. It was really cool. And we go to Louisville and you're just you're probably on cloud nine. It's like, oh, I'm in Nashville. And we're not going home. What did you pack for that trip? Do you remember what you packed?
3: That's a really good question. No, I don't. I wish I did. I know I brought I brought like a small suitcase and I I was an overpacker back then. <laughs> so I, I I'm sure I brought all my gaucho gear and then like two outfits, basically, like two things to like go get food in. Yeah. I probably had like a pair of pants, a pair of shorts. Not enough boxers for three weeks and uh, let's say three T-shirts. Like just not enough at all. Yeah.
0: Well, so we, we go to Louisville and Bieber pitches a gym. Win the first game. Bush hits another homer. The second game, and we'll let you break it down. But it's it's hot. Gotchas are losing. They're getting destroyed by Harrington. But, but rally rally time in the ninth, and you're you're sitting in the little like this little nook outside of the dugout behind on plate and in the replay of Sam's Homer, like one of the angles, like you're you're right behind him and you react to it. So give us the breakdown of your Sam Cohen Homer experience.
3: Yeah. All right. So Cause, cause I he, uh, he
0: said, so when I talked to Sam like before he went up to bat, you're like, "Go get him, Sam!" Like you're you're <laughs> in his
2: ear. <laughs> Fox yeah, in his ear
3: before the, yeah. bat, the bat of his life. Yeah, I uh, I can't help myself in big moments. Like I do, I feel the need to like try and I don't know help people or whatever. I I don't know. I just I get I get all the emotions come out of me in big situations. So like as Sam goes up to the plate. I can't remember the first pitch. I don't remember like when the ball came, but um, I just remember him fouling off the like 99 or 100 and he didn't look like he had a chance, like not even a chance in the world. And I remember, and there's video of it, and I feel so dumb for, for doing this in, in, in that situation. But there's like a video of me like trying to calm him down, like settle <laughs> down, fam, settle down, like hand motions, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so brutal and uh and then uh yeah he hits he hits the homer and i had a little like skull cap on because we had to wear it um and i took i i took the skull cap off as he as it's leaving the yard i took two like sammy sosa side crow hop things and i just chuck the helmet up jj's coming around home to score and uh, give him a big hug, and then just bouncing around home plate. just And I blacked out. I remember waking up next – not waking up, but coming back to consciousness next to the umpire, and the umpire is screaming in our faces, get me out of here, get me out of here. <laughs> so you were Water. next to the umpire. Oh, you yeah, I was – yeah.
0: That's hilarious.
3: Yeah. Wait. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. And then all the hugs afterwards, like – Sam just not even feeling like it's real life. Yeah, you kind of black out. Like, there's parts of it that I remember so vividly, and then parts where it's like, I don't know what I did for 10 minutes.
0: Well, the the coolest part, the coolest part of those type of moments is like, in a normal game, you're probably like, like game ends, like, all right, high five. And then you listen to debrief, and it's like, okay, let me get my stuff together. Let me put it away, get my laundry, shower, whatever, and then I'm out. It's like i need to I need to go home i need I gotta do homework or whatever, or like I had a bad game, I'm trying to flush it, whatever it is you're you're just kind of just like, all right, I'm zeroed in, I got my routine I'm going, but I, we probably spent like two hours at the ballpark after the game finished, like we mingled on the field just kind of in disbelief, and then we mingled like with the parents in the entryway, like people were scattered everywhere like you have to have a conversation with every single person that you see like and you're just you're you're it's such an out of body experience yeah, like that's a good way to describe it it's yeah. very
3: out of body even like even even Sam's Homer like me like that throwing the helmet doing the crow hops like all of that's out of body it's just like i don't that was real like it yeah um the only bit that i remember like post game after we took We took like a picture with the scoreboard i remember that and then um i facetimed my parents because it was uh it was my brother's graduation day this is college graduation day wow so i like should have been with them in theory but you know got priorities so um yeah i facetimed them and uh my brother tells me like he's sitting at graduation with the f- with a phone in his hand watching the game the whole time not paying attention nice. to graduation all same thing with my parents cuz they're just big sports people and they we had like planned a family vacation for that time and we were going to go to like a bunch of major league parks and um like Pittsburgh we ended up going to um but they hit up both Chicago stadiums they went to a bunch they and Um, when we were on the phone, I just remember being like, I guess I'm not going on this trip. I'm not, I'm not going to be seeing you guys anytime soon. Got a better place to be. Um, yeah, I just remember that. And then just being, I remember sitting on the field and just being like, I, this, what is happening? Like, how is this real? And I'm not even a player, like, mind you, like, I can't imagine what like Sam or JJ or Biebs or any of those guys felt like I'm a student manager who just like worked for the team. And I was in complete disbelief.
0: You were compelled to be there, Bob. Yeah. Yes, yes, you were. And you're going to Omaha. Like you, like being a rower, even you knew what Omaha was. Hey, I played played high school baseball. Come on, don't discount me too much. It probably, you know, it it meant something different to you. I mean, something different to everybody. essentially, it's the same thing. But get back on the bus. Dragmire's doing the fist bump, and we're going to Omaha. Like there's okay. the the chartered plane from Louisville to Omaha. We're the first team that gets there. Like you check into the hotel, and then like we're we're going around town practicing people practicing at these different parks. People are recognizing you. Like and then there's the open cero- opening ceremonies. Like there's all this stuff that goes into to Omaha. Can you pick
3: apart anything that stands out? to you i mean we i think we could talk for like three or four or five hours or days on Oma. like just all of it it's a it's the whole experience of it is just unbelievable but um i remember rolling up it was raining we were the first team there like you said and then uh i guess a couple moments i'll try and pick out i remember walking by myself i left the i left the uh team hotel to go to one of the local restaurants where we were going to watch the like Cavs Warriors game finals game because that was going on yep and uh I was walking by myself and this random guy comes up to me and asked me for my autograph (laughs) and I'm like are I, I legitimately asked him are you sure you want this I don't play he's like yeah please sign I'm like I don't play like I'm not even a coach you sure you want this it's like yes please sign it so I signed it I was like okay I'll sign it. No problem. Um, I remember that. I remember going to, um, that, that dirt practice field on like the other side of Omaha and like people were out watching our practice. Nobody watches practice at Santa Barbara. Like uh, we have good practices. Don't get me wrong, but nobody's like coming out to watch practice. And there's like, 15 20 30 people watching practice and like it's the classic like parents are pointing at the kids at the players with their kids next to them and being like oh you see that see how the player does that you should do that kind of thing like that's something my dad did growing up for me and to be a part of that is just so weird it's just bizarre and extremely cool like blessed to be in that moment i remember going to the uh I'm going to mess this up, but, and you'll probably say it way better than I will, but going to the, um, like orphanage, not orphanage, but you know what I'm saying? The, yeah. uh, go ahead. What's it called? Cause I'll mess it up for sure.
0: I can't remember. It's like the boys and girls club.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For like, but the kids were living there. It was like kids who had been down like the wrong path kind of thing. Um, I remember going there, talking to the kids there, like playing Playing in the gym with them, and just they're just normal kids. And we're, we and the players are all just normal kids, and we're all just having a good time. Like, I don't know, moments like that just stand out as like, I, it's so weird that we were like idolized because we're just normal guys. And I, especially me, just a student manager, but like Sam was so idolized, and JJ was so idolized, rightfully so, both of them. Um, but at santa barbara they're just students like sam could walk into any class before the grand slam and no like most people probably wouldn't be like oh my god that's sam cohen the grand slam or the baseball player like that wasn't you know baseball's a thing at santa barbara but it's not like an sec football player or anything like that
0: so those are the moments that you pick out especially special human being bob so you don't you don't pick out the fire, you don't pick Sorry. out the fireworks and then jumping up and down at the opening ceremonies and watching Bieber pitch and or standing in the outfield during batting practice and there's kids yelling at you for the baseball <laughs> or or getting to see Dallas Braden coming to the dugout or the the clubhouse or whatever like or just all the pomp and circumstance that's about it.
3: No, you, I remember all of that. You're, trust you're me, special I, guy special guy i love it i remember all of that but it's cool like this the like human moments where it's like yes so a cool like human interaction i was just like i can't believe this is real it's wild the the ceremony and stuff that that's a dream that doesn't that that never happened i still that's like i still remember walking out of the tunnel and like the flames are shooting up and it's like this is what this isn't happening at all um but no, just like the human interaction stuff was really cool.
0: What about so the Miami game? Yep. I'm pretty sure it was after Cumbies hit and you're on the ESPN telecast, you're running out yeah. to get the bat, and you give someone big high five, like like you owned that was you were dominating that job. And you knew exactly what you were there to do. Like it's just bats and hats, but like you had the moment with Sam and then you got some good FaceTime on, on one of the biggest moments of that, of that world series. I, I mean, you probably don't remember, would,
3: but. No, I do. I've well, I've seen it. Like I've seen it. I do know exactly what you're talking about I go out. I give whoever scored a high five, but uh, yeah. I mean, one of the cool things about SB is like, you're just kind of taught to do your job, do, do your job well. And. Everyone has a job, even if you're like the whatever thirtieth player on the bench. Like, do your job. Grant Dragmire didn't play in the playoffs, but I think every guy would say that he was a massive part of the Omaha run, the whole experience. Like, not not you know, he's a huge part of the of the entire story, and he didn't play. So everyone had a role, and you just tried to do it to the best of your ability. But yeah, I had some FaceTime. It was cool. My parents liked it, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> Did your parents come out? Did they No, they were on their trip. Okay, they were on so their they, trip. So they went on their trip and you're, yeah. you're in Omaha. Yeah. It's great.
3: Yeah, they they were in like Chicago at the time. Yeah. But they were watching every game. Every single game. They would they would text me and and my mom, she's a just a sports freak. Like even before the World Series, she would listen to you and Jerry call every single game. She doesn't even have a kid on the team. I'm just – I'm working for the team, and she would listen to every game. So,
0: Thank you, Mrs. Bob.
3: Thank you. Shout-out, Mom. Yeah, shout-out. Shout-out, Lucy.
0: My mom also listens to the game. She doesn't have uh, – there's no player that she follows on the team, but shout-out to Mom.
3: Yep. Big shout-out to all moms. The moms were a huge part of that run too. Trust oh, me. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well – obviously 2016 wasn't your whole experience like you were there in 17 you were there in 18 you took an expanded role and we'll wrap it up here okay but i mean you you stuck around for 3 years you essentially became i mean another i'm not going to say coach but you essentially came another like member of the staff because you're you're in the office every morning you're you're hanging out with with the assistant coaches with the ops staff like You're setting up the field, you're cleaning up the field, you're participating during practice, you're doing camps, you're doing scouting reports. I mean, if there was one person that did everything, it was was you. I mean, you pretty much covered every base when you were there. And I just want to give you credit because it's due, and I want people to hear it. But, yeah, Ryan Bob was – there's a reason why those teams were good. There's a reason why the program is where it is because you – you were there grinding it out you were putting in the hours you were doing coffee and donuts before camp
2: or practice
3: (laughs) i appreciate it but uh i think it's just kind of like part of the program i don't know it it was a really good staff i always wanted to be around them i mean i learned so i knew i wanted to work in baseball when, so when
0: when when did you decide? Like, did you want to work in baseball? Like, right when you started, where it was like, I'm gonna jump in. It was like the first day. Was it when you was that when you decided, or was it later? Was there a moment?
3: No, where? it was earlier. Well, earlier. Yeah, in my mind, it was earlier. When I like committed to the baseball thing, it was probably later. But no, it was when I broke my foot. I was sitting like random side memory. I'll try and keep this short, but um, broke my foot. I was sitting upstairs watching uh mlb network by myself and i knew i wanted to work in baseball but i had no path to be in it i didn't know anybody i wasn't a player like i was just another guy as an econ major actually i was a bio major at that point even weirder but um almost econ major and uh at that moment like there's a very distinct moment i was like okay i need to I need to do this, and it's pretty much why I sent the email to checks. Was like, I want to work in baseball, but uh, you, you
0: committed to it, man. Yeah. And here you are, you are working in the it's so with, weird with, with big league team. You're at instruction in Arizona, like so. The last thing to finish up so, what's the future, Bob? Like, where are we going next?
3: I don't know, man. I have no idea. I think about it pretty often. um but I also just try and like be in the moment and do a good job with what we're doing. Um, we'll kind of like, I mean, next season, the minor league season. we we'll probably want to do, do a
0: full, you probably are itching to get a full minor league season and just see what it's like.
3: Yeah, I just, exactly. I just wanted to do like San Jose this year and like be around the team for six and a half months. So I just want that. If we have a full season next year, that'd be great. Um, because that's not a given right now with COVID. Um, so yeah, we'll kind of just like, see.
0: Well, we, we miss you in Santa Barbara. It's not the same without Bob. It hasn't been the same without Bob. We're looking for the next one. If anybody out there is listening, uh, you have, uh, a lot to live up to if you're out there, but Bob, thanks for the time. And I know I will see you soon.
3: Don't be a stranger and good, I never am. good luck in Arizona. <laughs> thanks man thanks uh quick shout out to kevin cannon because he was the person who trained me so kev uh all credit to you dude you made it fun um anybody listen that like wants to try and get in baseball kevin can's a really cool good dude to be around he uh he works really hard he did this podcast he uh trained me for better or worse um
0: so far so good yeah.
3: Yeah, it's going well, dude. You're just keep killing it. This thing's awesome. I've listened to quite a few of these podcasts, and it's it's been really cool. It's cool to see the program keep moving forward. So,
0: I got gotcha you at heart. I appreciate the praise, and uh, we'll talk soon.
3: Sounds good, my dude. Take Thanks, Bob. All
0: right, thank you to do Kyle's Kitchen. Check out their new restaurant in Isla Vista and thank you to David and Spencer. We're in for a great finish in this 2020 World Series. Who would have thought that we'd make it to game 6 and potentially game 7 of the World Series this year? But it's here and we're excited and we're happy that it's happening. And another big thanks to Ryan Bob. Ryan is a, he's just a great. He's he's one of the Gaucho greats. He wasn't a player, he wasn't a coach, but he had as big an impact on the program in those three years as as any coach or any player could have it's just in a different manner of speaking because he's doing so many things off the field and that's he's just he's just one there's there's been many managers that have been great and both him and Ryan Jeans who were managers that season I mean it was like the dynamic duo it was anything you wanted anything that you needed they were there sometimes before you even had to ask and they're with us every step of the way of that trip. And I just felt like uh, Ryan needed his due. So we gave him an hour on the podcast. <laughs> so uh, it's, just, it's another example of how UCSB baseball can have an impact and how you can have an impact on this program. You don't have to be a player. You don't have to be a coach. You don't have to be an intern. Uh, you can be a student manager and that's how I got my start, and so it's got a special place in my heart with uh, the guys that, that grind it like Bob did, and he's still grinding. I'm glad he's doing well. So I hope we'll have him on again, catch up with the Giants, and he's a fan of the Gauchos, so he'll be watching during the season uh, when we get there. So that'll do it for the podcast this week. Next week we're going to have Jason Willow and McLean O'Connor. We're going to do a, a day in the life of the Gauchos, a couple of veteran players who have been through a lot as gauchos uh, and we'll catch up with them on how what life is like in covid fall ball uh and covid school and coming to practice with different protocols and stuff like that so get ready for willow and o'connor next week on the gaucho 9 pod until then stay safe be smart go vote and uh we'll talk to you soon